0: Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Tonight we're going to be looking into... Last Sunday, we talked about the triumphal entry of Jesus into the, into the uh, city of Jerusalem out of John, the book of John. Today, tonight, we're going to be looking at what happened in the days after that. We know on Monday, just a quick overview on Monday... Jesus cursed the fig tree. You can find that, if you want to take notes, you can find that in Matthew 21, 18 and 19, and also Mark 11, 12 through 14. He also cleansed the temple on that day. Matthew 21, 12 through 17. Mark 11, 15 through 19, or Luke 19, 45 through 48. Tuesday was a busy Tuesday for Jesus. He had the lesson of the fig tree, Matthew 21, 18 through 22, Mark 11, 20 through 25. challenge of Jesus' authority happened that day in Matthew 21, 23 through 27, Mark 11, 27 through 33, Luke 20, verses 1 through 8. The parables of warning. Matthew 21 again, Mark 12, 1 through 12, Luke 20, 9 through 19. The debate with the Jewish leaders happened on that day in Matthew 22, 15 through 46, Mark 12, 13 through 37, and Luke 20, 20 through 44. The, the, the denunciation of the scribes and Pharisees happened on that day as well. Matthew 23, 1 through 39, Mark 12, 38 through 44, Luke 20, 45 through 21, 4. The discourse of the last things, on the last things, Matthew 24, 25, Mark 13, Luke 21, 5 through 36. On Wednesday, it was a conspiracy of the chief priests, and we find that. And Mark 26, 1 through 5, or Matthew 26, 1 through 5, Mark. 14 1 and 2 and luke 22 1 and 2 two flashbacks the anointing of jesus and plot of judas on that wednesday in scripture so matt 26 matthew 26 6 through 16 mark 14 3 through 11 luke 22 3 through 6 john 11 45 through 12 8 all of that happened on tuesday in one day all that happened so it was a busy busy tuesday for our lord and wednesday tuesday and wednesday monday thursday of course we know what happened on monday thursday the last supper that happened gethsemane happened last supper is in matthew 26 17 through 35 mark 14 12 through 31 luke 22 7 through 38 John 13 through 17. Gethsemane happened on Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Mark 14, 32 through 42. And Luke 22, 39 through 46. As well as the betrayal and arrest. Matthew 26, 47 through 56. Mark 14, 43 through 52. Luke 22, 47 through 53 and john 18 1 through 14. in the trial before the jewish authorities that happened on monday thursday matthew 26 57 through 75 mark 14 53 through 72 luke 22 54 through 71 and john 18 15 through 27. tonight we're going to focus on what happened on this night Good Friday, that was the trial before Pilate, his subsequent crucifixion, and death and burial. So let's go before the Lord before we get started. Father, we thank you today. Lord, open our hearts to your word. Help us, Father, to grow closer to you, and Lord, help us, Lord, seek you even more and to know how. You see us, how special we are to you, and you were you went to the death on the cross for us. And Lord, we thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, if you will, I'd like to draw your attention to the book of John, chapter 19, the book of John, chapter 19 tonight. 18, yeah, 18, 28 through 19, so eighteen twenty-eight and then going on to the book of uh, chapter 19. All of this to help us understand that Jesus Christ did not have to go through this, but he chose it, he chose it. So many of us, so many of my growing up, I always thought, that it was mandated to jesus by the father this is what you're going to do he had no he couldn't he didn't have a choice he had no uh he had no free will he had to do what he had you know he had to do what the father's will was without his own will we see that in scripture that he chose it we see in scripture that In the Garden of Gethsemane which we're going to talk about he chose made a conscious choice to die he made a conscious choice even before that when it says that he had set his face like Flint in the King James for the city of Jerusalem knowing what was going to happen he had to make a choice and he chose to die for us to go and take the punishment for our sin, and subsequently die on our behalf. So, John chapter 18, starting in verse 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the to the Praetorium. It was very it, it was early. Yet they themselves did not enter the Praetorium. So that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have handed him over to you. Then Pilate said, Take him and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which spoke, by the, spoke signifying what death he would die. Again, Pilate entered the praetorium, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you speaking of your own accord, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am a Jew. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of them, not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight that I would not be handed over to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not not from here." Therefore Pilate said to him, "Then, there, then are you a king?" Jesus answered, "You are correctly that I am a king. For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They all shouted again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Looking back on the previous Sunday, understand we talked about this last week, last Sunday, that... When he was coming into Jerusalem. All of these people were bowing down. Saying Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were laying palm branches down. And they were, they were all excited that their king had come. By this day. They're yelling. We don't want this man. Release to us Barabbas. In other words kill this man. And give us a real criminal what happened in those days from sunday to friday one of the, the answer to that is this they wanted a king who would circumvent the paganism of rome they wanted someone who would conquer the roman empire and set them free jesus was going to do that but not in the way they wanted, not in the way that they thought. And therefore, he was not their king to them. They turned aside to the prophecy, which was being fulfilled from the Old Testament in that day on Palm Sunday. They turned aside from that and said, "I want. we want Barabbas, we want the criminal, we don't want... This. We don't want the truth. We want the criminal. So that's what happens. So that's what we're looking at here. This is the context of what is going on. Now, he, through that week, as we went briefly through all of that, he was putting things in order, turning over the money changers in the temple and doing all of those things, trying to wake people up as to who he was. And it didn't happen. They still wanted the criminal and not the Savior. And this begs a question, it always begs a question to me when these kinds of things are brought out in Scripture. I ask myself when things like this happen do I really want the Savior or do I turn aside to the criminal? And that's something we have to ask ourselves on a regular, regular basis. Jesus comes into our lives when we get saved and we think, well, everything's going to be peachy now. We're not going to have to worry about anything. It's going to be pie in the sky by and by. This is what They used to say years ago when I first got saved. That's not the case. It says in Scripture that we will have more issues because we are saved. We'll have persecution. We'll have setbacks. We'll have spiritual attacks because we are saved. And what do we do in those situations? Do we turn back to the criminal or do we call out to the Savior? You see, because we can perceive that just as they did as he isn't the Lord that he perceived to be in the Scripture. Because that's essentially what they've done. They've looked at the prophecy. And they misread the prophecy. And they thought Jesus was going to be this conquering person who was going to overthrow and set up his kingdom and everything was going to be well. Just as we do when we get saved and we think, well, everything's going to be well. Well, it's not. There's life that happens. We misread what God intends. So what do we do? Do we do just as they did? Do we turn aside from the Lord because he's not our Savior? He's not our God? No, he is our God. He is our Savior. He's already done the work. Are we going to accept the work? And move on with him? They said here, Crucify him. Release to us the criminal. Crucify him. When Pilate had already said he's done nothing wrong. So why? And they just said crucify him. Chapter 19 verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and and flogged him. The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. They said, Hail, king of the Jews, and hit him with their hands. Again, Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. You see, that's the thing. They didn't even see it. The scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't see it. You know that scripture where it says that there's going to be those that are going to be deceived, even the elect. They were the elect of that day. They were the ones who taught the law. They were the ones who studied the law. They were the ones who who should have a, a pulse on what the scripture said. The Old Testament said they should have known how to properly interpret the scripture, and yet they didn't. They said crucify him, not once, but twice, as a showing of their disbelief of who he was. When Pilate heard the words... These words, he was more afraid and entered the praetorium again and said, and said to Jesus, where are, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Why are you, not, are, you, are, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus said you would have no power at all over me unless I were to give it to you from above. Therefore, he who handed me over to you has the the greater sin. You see, Jesus, Jesus could have done anything at this point. Jesus could have, at this point, called down a legion of angels and took care of it, taken care of it. Jesus could have done anything, and he didn't. Because he understood the prophecy. He knew what his position was. He knew what his uh, father wanted. Whether it was, it was his, Jesus' will or not, he was going to do the will of the father and die for all creation. From then on, Pilate tried to release him. But the Jews cried out, "If you release him, this man, you are not Caesar's friend." How often do we find that in today's in today's society? How often do we find that they're using Pilate's position to control what Pilate does? If you release him, you're not Caesar's friend. So peer pressure takes hold here because Caesar does. you don't want to cross Caesar you don't want to have Caesar come down and straighten things out because Pilate would have probably have been executed if Caesar would have been called so he's kind of looking out for his own neck here he's kind of trying to look out for Jesus but he's also trying to save his own neck here and they use that against him. And how often do they use, people use that against us? If you really did this, if you, if you did that, then you're not really a Christian. How often times do we make mistakes? And people use that against us. If you really were a Christian, you wouldn't have done that. If you really were a Christian you would not have said that. If you really were a Christian, you would not have thought that. How many times do people control us with wordings like that? So they're using something here to, to control the situation. Even though Pilate is the one who's the authority in this moment, He's allowing his authority to be handed over to the quote-unquote enemy from that moment. So how often do we set our, put our own authority in Christ over to the enemy in, in guilt and despair when Jesus does not give us guilt or despair, but conviction, which is different than guilt and despair. So how often does this still happen today? He said they said whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate heard those words, he brought Jesus out and sat out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the the, the pavement, the pavement which is Hebrew for G- gabatha. It was the day of preparation and pass and the pa- of the Passover in about the 6th hour. He said to the Jews, "He is here is your king." But they shouted, "Away with him, away with him, crucify him." Pilate said to them, "Shall I crucify? Shall I crucify your king?" The chief priests answered, "We have no king but Caesar." Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. You see once again the chief priests the teachers of the law, the ones who are supposed to know the scriptures and be able to interpret it correctly, did not see that Jesus was the true king. And I think some of it, too, in there was the fact that they didn't want to cross Caesar either. So they, too, themselves were being kind of pushed by that peer pressure to give in, although their hearts were not right anyway. So it wasn't too hard of a push I'm sure. Verse 20 doesn't say here, but the next verse. So they took Jesus and led him away. Verse 17, he went out carrying his own cross to a place called the place of the skull, which is which is which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. They crucified him and two others with him, one on either side. And Jesus in the middle. Pilate wrote a, wrote a title, and put it on the cross. Put it on the cross. The writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. The chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate. Do not write, King of the Jews, but he said, "I am." But he said, "I am King of the Jews." Pilate answered, "What I have written, I have written." When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier, and also his tunic. And, the, and now, now the tunic was seamless, woven from top to bottom. This is something that, as the Catholic tradition, we kind of miss. Because if you look at a crucifix, Jesus still has his tunic on. But, but you have to understand the brutality of the crucifixion the brutality of the crucifixion was that there was no, absolutely no dignity left for the person hanging on the cross. No dignity whatsoever. And that was the way that it worked for all of that. When they, when they crucified Jesus, there was no tunic. There was no clothing. He was left, as the Bible says, to an open shame. That's why, we, that's why when you read about the woman call, caught in adultery, historically, she would have been brought to Jesus without any clothes on. They pulled her out of the, the, the place where she was with the person she was with, and they didn't bother to say, oh, let's put some clothes on. They just drug her through town without any clothes. Why? Because there's no dignity in that. She was going to die, so why give her the luxury of dignity? Jesus was going to die, so why give him the luxury of dignity? He didn't have that. They didn't didn't afford that to him. He had no dignity left. They took everything from him. Everything was open. They took his tunic and and they split it up amongst them. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots to be to to, to to decide who it shall be, who it whose it shall be. This happened to fulfill the scripture which said, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did not did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister Mary. His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clop- Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to, to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time, the disciple took her to his own home. So Jesus was providing protection and provision for his mother in John. So even though Jesus was dying on the cross, a less dignified way, he was still taking care of his people. He was still taking care of his mother and those around him. After this, verse 28, or 20, 28 after this, Jesus, knowing that everything was now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. A bowl full of sour wine was placed there. So they put a, put a sponge full of sour wine on hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up, the, gave up his spirit. It was finished. It was finished. It was finished. All the work that Jesus did, all of the teachings prior up to this point, all of the, of the preaching, all of the teaching, all of the things that he did was to fulfill what was said by the prophets of him. And he did it. He fulfilled every, it says in there, every jot and tittle. That means there isn't one thing that they said about the Messiah that was not fulfilled by Jesus. He fulfilled every single thing. And he said at that very moment, it is finished. It is finished. And one thing that we have to understand is that it doesn't stop there. If that was the end of the story, we would have no reason to be here tonight. If that was it, we'd have no reason to be here. He would be like any other religious figure. He'd be like Muhammad, or he'd be like Buddha or he'd be like Joseph Smith or he'd be like anybody else. They are dead in their graves. If it stopped here, we would have no reason to be here tonight. But Sunday came, Sunday came And that is what makes every single promise in this book fulfilled and real to us. Not the fact that he just died, but the very fact that he was resurrected by the Father. That's what makes Good Friday, Palm Sunday, Easter morning, so special. Because it's more than about us getting something, but it's about the promises of God being fulfilled in him and our acceptance of that. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we going to be like the the centurion who got down there in the next section of the scripture and says, surely this man was the son of God. Are we going to be like that man? Or are we going to be like the, the the teachers of the law that says, "I release to me the criminal, release to me the 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 charlatan"? I don't want any part of this truth. Crucify him. What is it going to be our, what is it going to be our story? We have to answer that ourselves. I know what my answer is going to be. I hope we know what our answer is going to be. But we have to think about those questions. Are we going to be sold down to Jesus in a way that is greater than we've ever done before? Every Easter, it's a stirring thing because it's like we can have another year to reinvigorate our relationship with Jesus. You know, we, we usually do a reading plan in January, but Easter's more special. If that's even a, a grammatically correct thing. It is more special because it reinvigorates, for me anyway, my relationship because it's a, it, is a, it, is a, it is a representation of the promises in the scripture by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I then am reinvigorated and to get closer to God because I can remember and reflect on the the promises in which he's given us and the promises that are made real by the resurrection and that's only how they're real. That's only how they're real. Not by any other way, not by any other means. They're only made real by the resurrection because if there wasn't one, there would be no reason to be here tonight. So that's my question for you tonight as we close. What side of the camp are you going to be on? Are you going to be the one that says, send us Barabbas, crucify him? Or are you going to be the one that says, you want to trust Jesus and be like his mother and John who were there at the cross, totally unashamedly there? They could have been crucified as well. They could have been killed. They were part of, the, part of the, the way at this point. It was the way. It was not Christians at this point. It would, they were called the way. They were putting their lives on the line, being there at the foot of the cross. We see that echoed in, in Peter's reaction from Gethsemane. Denying him three times. Why? Why? What does it matter? John didn't care. But there was repercussions for being part of that group. But John and his mother and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the wife of Clopas, didn't care. Repercussions are repercussions. They were going to stand by their Lord. So what side are we on? Are we going to stand by our Lord, or are we going to say, hey, give us the, the deceiver, give us the, 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 the criminal, Barabbas? That's a decision we have to make. That's a thought we have to think about tonight. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for this night of remembrance of what you went through. Father thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here tonight, not out of not out of obligation, not coming to we're not coming to worship a dead messiah, but one who is alive and remains and moves and and works within our beings. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for for staying the course, for being obedient to the Father. Thank you that you were resurrected, that every promise in this book was made real through that resurrection. And Lord, we give you praise, and we give you glory and honor. Give us all safe journey home tonight. Minister to us and bless us by your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. It's uh, great to see everybody tonight that was able to come. Uh, I know this is a little bit out of the ordinary, but I uh, appreciate each, every one of you coming and spending time. And I just want to wish you a wonderful, happy Easter, Resurrection Sunday. We'll be having Sunday service here as usual, 10.30 in the morning for service, 9.30 for Sunday school. Uh, We would love to have everybody come that would be able to come uh, and and partake in that. God bless you. May you be ministered to this weekend. May God give you a, a, a wonderful tomorrow to where you can witness to others of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the truth that he that he brings to your lives god be with you and bless you amen now may the lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you may he turn his countenance upon you and give you his peace amen Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.